0: nice studio Keith
1: yeah well we've been here what a month so you know
0: and you are technically up and running
1: right? oh technically up and running completely yeah it's great it's, uh, and it's and it's warm the other place was an industrial unit it was bloody cold so you know it's this is warm and it's got a bit of daylight seeping in which is which is a bonus
0: because you moved studios before didn't you or you, or was this a space that you had no no i
1: had the studios a storage space right um i because we were doing so many room sets we had so many props it we just outgrew um the original studio so we did a bit of a deal with the landlord uh, on the site and they um they gave us this space but i preferred this space it's more industrial it's a bit more it's got a lot more character it's warmer It's got daylight it's a bit smaller than the other space so when when we decided to uh to just have one one space this was this was favored this taken us a month and a lot of pain to move out. So, for people who aren't aware, just describe the type of work that you do in the studio space. Oh, uh, it's it's really um, all sorts of commercial advertising photography. You know, so it's um, we do a lot of a lot of still life. I'm doing some jewelry at the moment, it's quite a big big thing for us. Uh, we were doing a lot of room sets, um, a lot of room sets, and that was a big part of my business. Um, we're doing fewer now uh we do people so we do people you know in studio and location but i would have thought probably 70 percent of my business is studio based if not more maybe 80 percent um so yeah it's uh and you, you've got to, you know, as as your business circumstances change you've got to change to, to suit and um the room sets we were going we, we were doing the client was looking at going more onto location and that sort of stuff so we really Decided to right okay, let's bite the bullet and and uh, get rid of all the props, get rid of all the stuff because you know we kept so many props because we did so much of it. We didn't need any more, so off, off, they, had, off they had to go. Yeah, the uh, in the, skip the on the Ypres. periphery of your floor space. Was, I know it was pretty packed, wasn't it? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Uh, and that's what happens. You know, you 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 buy you buy a lot of stuff. You hire a lot of stuff. It's fine. That all goes back. Um, you borrow some stuff, but the stuff you buy, you know, it it it's, it's still got value, isn't it? So you Mm. tend to store it because, you know, it'll come in handy and it does, especially on these, you know, late nights when you're there needing one, one or two little props just to finish the shot rather than send the stylist out, you know, or wait till the morning till the stylist is back in and you lose another couple of hours, you tend to sort of push on and use what you've got. Mm. And that also makes the job more um, viable, you know, um, in terms of cost Mm. because um, the more props you keep, the more, I mean, viable for us, viable for the client. So, um, you know, props are a big cost of a, of a room set. So the more we held on to, the more, you know, the cheaper we could do it for and the more money we made on the job as well, Mm. you know, because there was always a a set fee for, for props. So you've got this tension going on. So you've got a certain amount of fee that the client has agreed to pay for props and that that's for the service of supplying props. You'd have to buy props that value, you know, so, um, so you have to buy props that um, are right for the job and sometimes you go over budget but sometimes you manage to get away with buying props that are still right for the job and the budget and you make some money and it's a bit of a balance that you balance and act. You play you know mm. but um keeping props as part of that hence the bigger studio hence you know but it just got too big it fell over in the end too many stuff too much stuff mm.
0: but i think anyone looking at the images on your website some of the portfolios there the one thing i'd probably say is the lighting's very tight Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're
1: very good at your lighting. Obviously. So well, I, I suppose is that, that's that, is that sort the about, mark of a good studio photographer. Yeah, and well, I think lighting is a, he's a mark of a good photographer, isn't it? Mm. I mean, a big, you know, a big bugbear of mine is you know seeing seeing images poorly lit. I mean, <clears throat> obviously in my in my sort of side in the studio sort of side, because you're creating everything from scratch. You start for the black studio and you light it, and so it is all down to you, isn't it? If it's badly lit, then it's your fault. And if it's well lit, then good. I mean, it's different if you shoot on location because you've, that's a totally different animal you've got to deal with what you've been given. So, But I still think, you know, um, that lighting is, you know, on location. I see some beautiful lighting, beautiful use of natural light, but also really good manipulation of natural light, you know, with, with artificial light to balance it out. It, it's all about lighting, I think. You know, lighting composition is just the basics, you know. And and um, uh, you know I don't think that's um, taught enough, or or I don't think people under, I don't think people understand it enough. It's, a, it's an essential skill, you know, throughout photography.
0: You do location work. You will go out with the. Oh God, the yeah, yeah, space. Yeah. So how how well equipped do you go in terms of taking your oh, lighting yeah. with you?
1: Ridiculous, take all the lighting with me. So we, we go out with um, <laughs> it depends, but we go out with uh, you know mostly with flash. So you have got three or four big, three thousand two hundred joule flash packs, you know, and about ten heads. Um, <laughs> no, we might only use one or two just to fill, but you know, just we just go for every eventuality, and then we, we might take a little set of Didos, you know, little, little tungsten DDo's, Um to, to to put little pops in some places. So yeah, I think um, I do go over over equipped, and and you know, but I think that's just part of. I feel, it's like a comfort blanket. I know when I get there, I'm prepared for anything. And you know, you you trade on producing, you know, high quality images, wherever, whenever. And so you you need to make gear really with you. Mm. It's no good saying, I wish I'd brought that. Bring it, you know. Mm. Doesn't matter if it stays in the boot of your car, just bring it.
0: Do you ever work just solely in natural light?
1: Oh yeah, a lot, lot, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I prefer to do that. If I'm shooting, like for example, we've got one client we shoot um, office f- office furniture for them. You we know, don't on location, um, and so we hire big offices, office spaces, or you know, sort of funky studio spaces or whatever it is, you know, uh, all over the place. And you know, we we really endeavour to shoot all of that with natural light. We'll take some reflectors with us and some stuff just to to give some soft fill, and we'll have our full kit of flash there. But the only time we use the flash really is to bounce off a, off an opposing wall, just just to fill in the shadows. And and again, we do that very very subtly. Mm. I, and the other thing is, you know, shooting with available light on digital is a completely different thing from shooting with available light on film, because the, in in post, you've got so much more latitude of you. You know, in filling shadows, you know, to some extent, you can get away with filling shadows in, you know, in 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 your. Um, raw processor you know so we but you, you tend not to rely on that we, we try to get it right in camera mm. you know and, and, and of course we're shooting tethered into the raw processor anyway so you see what you get on the screen so and I think that that's a great way of working you know clients love that.
2: Uh, do you um, look forward to the future with a little um, trepidation because lots of especially uh, Ikea now are uh, doing everything on the computer they're not even using photographers to photograph anymore yeah and everything's being built on a computer
1: yeah I mean we're we're um, a trepidation um, I, I think you've got to go with that um, with that change of trend have not you uh, at the moment we take taking the office furniture um, we just, just shot a, a load of really high-end chairs and bits and bobs, which were all put into a rendered uh, environment. So um, what they find is, often what people find is that the renders, uh, and this is the clients as well as the designers and you know right across the board, they find that the renders of the backgrounds are great, um, sometimes too perfect, they need to dirty them up a bit. But the, but the, the products really don't look great rendered. They still haven't got that they just look a bit too unreal so they still you know they they're still having them photographed and it's it's not you know um it's not cheaper for them to do that obviously it's it's more expensive but they still prefer to do the, to photograph the products so I, I don't know where that'll go but um I'm quite happy to go with it you know as far as you know i'm not going to learn rendering software and i'm not going to get into that side of it but there is a part of it but like the whole the whole thing of studio photography is a is a rapidly contracting market anyway for a million different reasons and that's just one of the pressures
2: what do you think the main pressure
1: is then um i think there's a lot of uh, there are lower budgets definitely for this sort of thing um there's a lot of um there's a lot of cheap and this is expensive. this is the expensive end of photography, I suppose. Yes. You know, this is the because, because you've got a studio and the lighting and the whole thing to carry and assistants and stylists and models and it's the the, the higher end of of the of the cost structure. And I think there's a lot of um, a lot of photographers out there without studios with 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 a bag of Nikons or whatever, who can do things much, much cheaper. And so there's a temptation for clients to go, do we really need to do that in the studio? Can we do it on location? Can we cut the cost there? And they do so that's another pressure. um i think every the whole industry is changing, you know. i'm not sure how how um eventually it'll be a real a, a much smaller niche uh provider, you know, studio photographers will be of a much smaller niche rather than, you know, i i can see i've been it for, for quite some years, over the years i've been here, there were a, a lot of studios now there are you know, half as many studios at most, probably a third of the studios in in South Wales, for example, and that's replicated around the country. You know,
2: do you have time for your own photography?
1: Uh, not as much as I'd like to do. No, I'm I'm because I'm because I'm not doing so much of the room sets. My plan for this year is to to do that. I've. Um, been doing a bit of soul searching, and been going right. Okay, I need to do more of my own stuff because, in, in fact, you know, just just because I'm a pretty commercial animal, you know, I, I work for money. That's great, but also the the your own photography tends to feed into your work, and people, um, especially clients, love to see your own stuff and how they can use that. It, new ideas, new approaches, and that often happens. I shoot something for myself. I'll stick it on the website or I'll show someone, a client in the studio, brilliant, we can use that for this next project, whatever. That happens, you know, that happens as much as I can shoot stuff. And so, yeah, I should do more and like I don't do half enough.
2: Right. What, and when you are doing your own stuff, what do you like to shoot? Uh, do you have... Um, oh, that's a silly question, and too open-ended perhaps, but do you... Is your involvement with uh, people? um, I love shooting people. Yeah.
1: uh, And and what about landscape? Do you like to walk the landscape? Um, Strangely enough, I find myself walking the landscape, shooting the detail. (laughs) So I've got a whole set of pictures. I went. I was in um, Spain in in the summer, just on holiday, and I was out in the in the campo, you know, wandering about. But I didn't really want to shoot the the wide stuff. I ended up shooting a whole series of. You know, dying plants and stuff. So um, it's almost like the still life mentality coming back. You know, and you're actually shooting uh, very tight. Um, and I, so I, I, I always get drawn into that. I do shoot landscapes, but I haven't got the patience for it really, and I don't want to sit there waiting for the sun. It's right. It's really
2: interesting that correlation between the work you're doing in the studio and doing work in the field. Yeah. And that you like to do that tight stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the fascination then
1: in that? I think it's all about form, isn't it, and light. You know, like, you know, I've developed being too pretentious about it, you know. You you, you see these things, and they're, you know, whether, whether they're little, you know, whether they're a little cacti, or, or whether they whether these I shot a lot of um, uh, plants that have been shriveled by the sun, you know, or been, been burned to nothing by the sun. And they were all beautiful little structures and shapes. And, of course, with the early morning light, you know, coming through them, they were absolutely beautiful things. When you, when you sort of isolated them from their background it's extraordinary things you know I you know I find I find um, I find that more interesting than seeing seeing the wide escape you know um, and I think the wide escape needs a different mindset to mine you know if you're going to shoot wider wider uh, uh, landscapes you know coming back to the lighting you you have to be willing to get up um, crack a door and waiting for that really great moment light like, or being there at the end of the day and it's all about finding a place and waiting and waiting I just haven't got that I haven't got that type of patience. I can endlessly shoot something in, in fine detail, and I'll go you know, to the nth degree to get something right in the studio or, or out um, when I'm shooting on, on the, uh, you know, for, my, for myself. But I haven't got the patience to sit there and wait, and you no, know,
0: not for me. So if you are out walking, or you're in Spain on your belly, into these yeah, yeah, yeah. Space. It was just like that. Yeah. Does the studio photographer and you kick in and you reach for a piece of paper as a reflector just to kick that a little
1: bit? Around. Oh, that's a terrible addition, isn't it? <laughs> you have have you? I have yeah. <laughs> I have done just that, yeah. It's right? just in you. I've never thought about it. I've never thought about it. I've just you know, what you say about reaching for a piece of paper. I've done exactly that. Oh, I just need a bit of fill there. <laughs> It's just terrible, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, you talk about lighting, and you know, you, you see something, and you just kick in. Don't you? you just say, "No, that 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 could just do that." You know, that shadow just a little bit down for me, and yeah, you can do a lot in the software, um but actually, it's quite nice to get it right. And perhaps that's, you know, again, perhaps I'm a dinosaur. You know, perhaps I I want to get it too right in camera, but. Is that a bad thing? I'm not sure if it is or not. I mean, I don't know. The really funny thing is we were talking about dinosaurs
2: with Tim, a previous uh, interview we did, and uh, we were talking about the dinosaur aspect of us as sort of middle-aged photographers and older photographers. And I suppose, um, but that dinosaur element is quite important, I think, in some respects. It has a lot of value.
1: I think it has got a lot of value. I mean, (laughs) banging on about it. It is a thing that, uh, you know, um, we've learned a lot of technique, and um, a lot. Of, we have a lot of skill to pass on, um, but nobody seems to want to to to, to 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 know it. Do you do you believe that? I do. God, yeah, I do. I think we've got massive amount of of, uh, of skill and knowledge um, that um, you know doesn't necessarily get passed on. I mean, the system has always been that you take on an assistant who you know washes the dishes and sweeps the floor. But they, and gets paid a pittance, but they, um, you know, they, they, they're they the people who, who who are around to pick up any sort of knowledge you, you, you've you got to impart, you know, so. Um, but they've got to want to learn. They've <laughs> got to want to learn, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had assistants who just turn up, you know, um, and don't engage, and, and they don't last very long, you know, or you need people who come in and they they are interested in what you're doing. Mm and um interested in in producing images now you do it even if the, even if they don't want to do what you do, which is completely stand, they still need to, you know there's still a lot they can learn um throughout you know whether it's just constructing an image or you know composition or lighting or or on the technical side you know um you know shooting you know in, digi- in digital shooting raw and why shoot in raw and how this works and why it's important your monitor's balanced and God knows what you know there are a million things. Um, techniques in retouching, and in you know, especially in image grading, that craft side of photography Yeah, I think that, and I think that's um, that's what I've had to learn since I've come back into photography. Is you know, I left photography in the '90s when it was film. I came back into it ten years later or whatever when it was digital, and so I'd always you know kept a you know a Nikon DSLR with me and whatever, but you didn't. I didn't really get engaged in the. In the digital thing till i got back into photography it didn't really understand the whole raw thing and why and the know.
2: gap then how important was the gap before you came back to photography how uh influential was what you were doing i mean you started as a photographer yeah i started then... as a
1: photographer and um i was in photography for you know 15 years or something 12 15 years and then i went into design and um uh so I worked for a company for five years, ran my own company for five years. So I was in design for you know, for ten years, um, and yeah, I mean, you, you, when you, when you go, when I came back into photography, I'm then working for people that I had a lot more empathy with. So, but what was the motivation to go back? Oh, to go back. Um, I think I really missed it. I, I think I always thought of myself as a photographer, so you know what people say you know people say you know what to say in your passport well you know i would have always put photographer even after 10 years in design i thought of myself as a photographer working like a usurper you know sort of working in design um you know, i i did a bit of art direction and i was always involved in the creative side of it but i did a lot of account management as well and um you know you you those are things uh, there was a bit of knowledge you gained. You wouldn't. I wouldn't gain other you know, experience. I've gained. You so know. and they influenced obviously the way you work now as a commercial photographer. Of course, yeah, but they bound to you know yes. because um you know you definitely have more empathy with with art directors uh, because you know the pressures they're under. You know, um, in the past before I worked in design, an art director would come come to the studio and they'd want something, and you'd be thinking. What an ass, you know, you, what you don't know what he's talking about. And actually, um I think often the art directors are under a massive amount of pressure, both from their peers, you know, you know, in uh uh in, in the in the design company or, or other designers, and from mostly from clients who want a particular thing. And they have to try and interpret the client's brief. And I think that's not an easy task and good art art directors do it really well. And there aren't many good ones about them, I'm afraid. But now, when people come here, I've, I sort totally of try to get deeper into the into what they want. They will ask for something. and say, right, okay. Start from the beginning. Where you know, what's the client after here? You know, because just to get the, the most out of every job. So it's given me a lot of insight like that. So <laughs> <laughs> that piece of white paper again.
0: So when you were doing the art direction side and perhaps commissioning. Yeah. Other photographers. Yes. On did, projects yeah. you were working. Were you reaching for the camera out of frustration sometimes or No, How I, did you find that uh, having to stand by?
1: How did I find it? Um uh, yeah, slightly frustrating. Um I had my my um, my assistant, my longtime assistant, took over the studio when I when I left. So I used him and another guy I used to work with quite a lot. Who um, worked with me, with me, for me in the past, uh, so I use those as, as photographers right. generally. And the uh, the one the one guy who's my assistant, he he took a couple of years to get up to speed, you know. So when I'd go there, he would be faffing about taking f- forever to do something that was fairly simple, and I would sort of go, right, let's do it like this, and and we'd already had that relationship, you know. So he was, and he was, he could see what was happening, so he just stood back and let me carry on for a bit. Um, but after a couple of years, he became a very, very talented photographer. Well, he was a very talented photographer, but technically, he became better. His confidence levels soared, you know. And, and by by you know by the end, he was he was a you know he was a really really good good guy, which I was quite proud of because he'd learned it all with you know with me because he'd never worked in a studio before. Mm. Um, but he was very very good until um, sadly sort of passed away. So um, he was uh, that was okay um but i had lots of different stuff i was in london working for uh, with a, on a shoot um with a photographer called johnny boylan who was a lovely guy and we were halfway through the shoot and i was saying look i think what we need to do here if you if you just do a bit of flash and blur on this and blah blah blah." i'm talking and he stopped and he was looking at me sort of strangely and then a couple of things came up during the day when i suggested different things and um uh, and then at dinner that night, we were chatting, and he said, um, So, what did you do before this? <laughs> and I own up, saying I was a photographer. He said, Bastard. He said, I can't believe it. He said, I knew, I knew, I knew. I said, you're either, you, you, you're either really, really experienced art director or you're a photographer. And I was saying to my assistant, mm, There's something up here, something fishy, he knows too much. Mm. So that was quite funny.
0: But I guess, like in any genre of professional photography those things about well, business in general isn't it? relationships absolutely matter but what you were saying earlier with the pressures on studio photography yeah. now in terms of budgets and what have you is there a loyalty? Do you think with clients to try and stick want <clears> to stick with someone they can gel with, that they know they can talk to quite freely, they'll get the job done?
1: Yeah, I think there is I think there's trust and, um, and a loyalty, yeah with with ninety percent of the people you work with, you know, you build up relationships. And you and you have these long term relationships. Um and they'll trust they'll they know what you do. They know exactly what you do and they know that they can um they'll leave with the shot and the client will be happy. And that's sort of the danger there is you become the safe guy. That you become the guy that people go to that, you know, they know you're reliable, you're not going to mess up. But it might not be the most creative answer because it's not pushing the boundaries. And so there's a bit of a problem there where you don't want to be the ultimate safe guy. You do want to push. Mm. But you do want that shot, that shoot to work. You do, you want that client to... Um, I'm talking about you know, the intermediate client, the designer or the advertising agency or whatever. You want those to go away with something that their client will be completely happy with and you know blown away with mm. and and often he doesn't need that much to do that you know um when clients see their stuff beautifully lit and and, and lovely they they're knocked out they they they've never seen it like that so they're really happy but um but you can there's a big thing but whether you know there's always a big debate a big debate especially in the states in my sort of photography whether whether you go to the safe guy or whether you go to the to the young up and coming guy who might get you the brilliant, brilliant picture that would be award winning or whatever, but we'll only do that one at, one time out of ten, you know nearly ten blow blow power and a big crap so playing the percentages really yeah, absolutely, yeah, and I think um again that comes that comes of of um of the cost you know um if we're doing a room set and the cost of that room set is six grand or something, well you know. People are quite like that to be right, wouldn't they? <laughs> you know, it's a lot of money to, to spend on a photograph, and so they're going to go to people that they can trust to come up with it because it's not just building the room set and lighting it, whatever. You know, the styling, the whole the whole package needs to sell that product, and they they tend to, um, you know, want to want to make sure that they get value for money, sell a product, and so you do build relationships on that sort of, you know, a mm-hmm. percentage basis, definitely. And I think. Um the the better relationships are the personal relations relationships you make, where where you can talk to people. Um and and um you know, most of the art directors I work with who who I've got very good relationships with, they will talk to me about a project when it's in in the studio being being discussed amongst, you know, as a as a as a as a creative is evolving. And that's the best part, that's the best bit of the job. When somebody gives you a call and says, look, can you pop over and have a look at this? What do you think of this? How are we going to shoot this? What do you reckon? You know, and that's a great, that's, that's uh, the best part. And then you build up really good relationships with people like that, where they... Is being Cardiff-based been a disadvantage to you? Um, ooh, it's got its, it's, got its um, specific problems... Um you know we've got very low budget budgets in cardiff compared to um most cities you know the the day rates are fairly low for what we do um not a lot of clients with a lot of money um just one or two really uh so that's a that's a disadvantage um you've also got the um uh the fact that you have to be... V- to to make a living to make to actually get you know, to make a decent living out of photography, you can't be a specialist in in studio terms it's very difficult just to be um i see you can't be it's very difficult to be a specialist so whereas in London you know you can be a car photographer um these genres don't don't exist outside of london anyway really but you could be a car photographer not only can you could be a car photographer you could be a sports car photographer you're good at that you know or instead of being a food photographer you can be a, an ice cream photographer you know the the real specialist sort of stuff well I found anyway that to make a living in Cardiff you have to be able to do everything so
2: so what was the decision then I mean uh, it would seem are you jealous of the fact that you could do perhaps more exciting work if you were a London-based photographer
1: no I mean I worked in London when I left um, you know our college Mm-hmm. i spent a couple of years there and and it was it was great i learned a lot from brilliant photographers um but you know the, the bits that you see the exciting bits that you see um the stuff that wins awards the stuff that you know is that that's really the tip of the iceberg you know that it really is the top couple of percent you know the rest of it is the stuff i do there's no real difference so so i don't get to do that top bit ever so that that ambition you know never going to be realised. But um, I got, after, after working in London for a while, I got to realise that, you know, most of the stuff was workaday day stuff. Um, and, and the glamorous bits, um, there's not a lot of them. So did you start off as an assistant? Yes,
2: yeah. So yeah. you were brushing the floors and making the coffee then? Oh God, yeah,
1: it was good brushing floors. Yeah, really yeah. good. Sweeping floors is a speciality. Not sure the coffee was that good, but uh, but you know processing film, you know, so you would spend a long time in the darkroom processing, you know, whether it was an E six line or a black and white or whatever. Um, I mean, in London, most of it went out to labs anyway. But um, uh, in terms of the E six, but the black and white was all done in house, and the printing obviously was done in house. Um, so you had to do all of that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, you I, I was lucky. I freelanced and uh, I worked in various studios, and I worked with some. Great people, and you just learn so much.
2: So, who stands out in that period of your time? Uh, you know, who was had an um, had a big influence on you as a as a, a, a young photographer? Uh, there's a guy
1: called Bryce Atwell, who's a who's a New Zealander food photographer, and um, this is this is going back some time. There was a guy called Robert Golden, who was if you if you research him, he was he he changed the face of food photography in the UK. I I didn't, didn't meet him, but. Um, he um he was um food photography was was a very american had a very american look with with big soft light and deep shadows and it, you know when you look at it it looks very fifties now it looks very old yeah. and whatever and and Robert golden brought this sort of um sunlight infused sort of softly lit more dynamic uh, much more dynamic and um but it was a particular style of lighting all done in studio but it looked like it was shot in you know on on a, on a on a table in a French dining room or something like that, I mean, were like streaming across it and and he, and then I worked for a guy called Bryce atwell who who was the next generation of 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 that style and he took it onto to new levels. he was brilliant and um I only freelanced for him a few times, but he was fantastic and at the same time, I was working for a guy called Melvin Gray, who was a uh, the more standard food photographer, and so the contrast was great, you know and um you know. Price was doing this really exciting and interesting sort of stuff that was pushing the boundaries. And Melvin was, you know, the other side. He was a he was a plodder, you know. He was a lovely guy and all this sort of stuff. But he was just doing fairly straightforward stuff, regurgitating what he'd done for the last twenty years, you know. So he was good. Um I you know, I worked for a lot of interesting people. Adrian Flowers was an interesting guy I worked for, I did loads of the Benson Hedges ads back in the the forty HE posters. That was extraordinary sort of he was a complete lunatic. But great, you know. You've reached a certain stage with uh, with your photography. Have you got any ambitions within the field that you work in? No, no, and um, no real ambitions in the field I work in. I've got personal ambitions. Oh, what I are like, those then? Now? Oh, yes. you know, I I, I think um, I need to do I need to do more personal sort of stuff, particularly with people and in studio. I'm quite sure you know, I'm ready to lay that out completely, but um. There's pictures I ha- I want to take that I haven't taken. There's projects I want to do that I haven't done. But they are really personal things. Uh, can you can you <laughs> what are one of those projects? Uh, the, they it's it's just um, it's all it's all people based. It's all the um, things I'm talking about at the moment. All, I really like photographing uh, whether it's faces of bodies or human form generally um it's just a I, I you know we're going back to the sort of um uh the thing we were talking about when I was out in the campo in Spain photographing things as 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 as, as beautiful objects, and I find human faces like that I love shooting people 's faces and care where they are really interesting and lighting them and getting something out of them expressions and whatever and bodies are the same i don 't do a lot of that sort of stuff, but I really enjoy doing it, whether it 's fashion or, or nudes or whatever it is, quite like doing that sort of stuff, which i haven 't done much of you know. And it's a, sh- it's a shame, you know, I, I want to do much more of that sort of stuff. Um, and that's just for personal fulfillment, you know, it's just to, it's just to have something at the end, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I like that.
0: Because you have some examples on the site, and I know you know, maybe there's some beauty stuff or, or helping out local hairdressers yeah, or yeah, young yeah, models sure. up and coming and what have you, is, is that... Do you, do you get the time that you would like to have on that? Is that or is that what you're describing? I don't. Have I, have to to make make yeah. I have to make the time. I have to make the time. Because, again, um, that lighting is very tight, but the stuff, some of that stuff is absolutely cracking.
1: This, the, the lighting is, you know, that's, that's it, isn't it? And, and that's what I can bring to it. I've, yeah. I've got a lot of experience with that and a lot of patience to get it right. Um, I'd like to shoot some stuff that's looser. Um, I'd like to shoot some stuff that's much more uh, accidental. Because my stuff is tight because again i'm always shooting to a brief mm. and i it needs to be right and and gorgeous and beautiful and tick all those boxes um but i'd like to shoot stuff that's much much more loose and much where, where you're leaving a lot more room for error and the happy accident and i think that's a great way forward you know in your personal work
0: so would that be for you with a studio space and the lighting that, yeah. you, that you have that investment would that be that analogy of like street photography of find the spot Find the scene, find the light, and then wait.
1: For the right thing. To, would you <coughs> put someone on a seat to wait to see what happens there? Is that what you're describing? No, I think I think um, I think what I'm talking about. I mean, it's a, I'm sure it's a similar thing. But I, what I'm talking about is, uh, whereas I, I, you know, my lighting is 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 tight and it is on on a particular point in space in time. You know, you sit okay. there or stand there and do this, and I will like you doing it. Um, I think. Um, I used to love if you go back to the eighties and nineties there's a guy called uh, arthur Elgort, who who's a a New York photographer mm. who did um some beautiful um fashion stuff in a daylight studio and he always got the sense that you know uh he'd got the one frame out of out of a roll of film that worked you know whereas um you know i don't do that i get i all my frames look great you know if i i like them they all look great that's not the problem the problem is getting the right expression and the right look and stuff like that mm. Well, i'd like to do it um with a different type of tungsten light rather than flash again where there's a lot more light bouncing around and and you take a lot there's a lot more movement a lot more freedom going on and um something some, something happens that that you don't expect to happen. A bit of light catches a bit of this, and get the right expression, and it's a much more fluid sort of thing. And I want to experiment in some of that as well, in studio. And that's that's and that's a fun thing to do, you know. If you get the right people in place, the right models, and and the right sort of bit of light, and even and the right styling, I think is important as well. And then just just have a, have fun, and spend a day having fun, and see what happens. And I don't do that enough. But that is a great way of getting really interesting images, which are better, you know, ultimately than the tight ones I shoot for a living. Yeah. There's been always been a problem of getting work to come to Wales from outside. It's it's a real problem, you know, because the first thing you think of, you know, if you're based in Cardiff, then Bristol is 40 minutes away or whatever it is. Um, and you go to the Bristol agencies and they're really reluctant to, to to send work over the bridge. You know, no matter what you offer there's a very, um, there, there is some sort of, there is some sort of problem there. Um, and we, you know, you've tried it and really, and I know other people have tried it pretty unsuccessfully. Um, and yet, you know, um, like I'm working for um, a company in, you know, shooting today, I'm shooting for a company in um, Surrey. Uh, but that's because I've got a Welsh contact. Oh, you know, it just happened to be that, you know, the guy, one of the guys who's, who's uh, quite senior in the company is a, He's from the same town as me, mm. and met through a mutual friend, and so it's that sort of contact way in rather than somebody using you because you're good at that particular particular thing.
2: You must be a pretty efficient bloke because your workflow, obviously and um, um, because you have many masters in many respects oh know, yeah sure um, you know the, and ultimately the client at the far end is going to look at your work and whatever you may have done or relationship you may have had with an art director they may go well we don't actually we're not that keen or yeah. you know, they may want to change so but uh, workflow wise how do you do you farm work out or do you do or, or are you that particular that you want to do everything yourself
1: and uh, no i do have, everything myself apart from clipping paths yeah. we farm clipping paths out we, we used to do them ourselves but you know there's no no real point um by so for om- those that don't know what all well, clip, oh, right clipping path um okay uh if you photograph an object um and uh the designer wants to take it into a design package in design or something and use it as a as a cutout as just an object floating in space, so they can put it over text, or over backgrounds they create or whatever. You need to make a clipping path, and that's basically in Photoshop, with a pen tool, drawing a line around it. <laughs> but it's, not, it's not quite as simple as it might sound. Um, and they're just time-consuming, they're, they're ball-breaking sort of thing to do. So we, we tend to farm that out. But all the retouching, I do in-house. I've tried freelance retouchers, I've tried all sorts of things. Um, sometimes I use an assistant to do it, but but I'm sort of... Leaning over their shoulder most of the time, and whatever, so yeah there's a bit of control freakery in in that, but you know but it is about it is about keeping that standard as you want it you know do we have in
0: way just what you're describing there that support network of clipping paths and people good at that, people good at retouching do do we have those kind of support? Other niche areas and supporting photography. No, about?
1: the the, the industry's too small in 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 South Wales. In in I'm, I'm talking now specifically for uh, support for my type of commercial photography. So um, I don't know a retoucher, commercial retoucher, who can work to the standards we need in South Wales. I, you know, I might not have looked hard enough, but I really don't know anyone. Um, I think there's a guy in Chepstow who is reasonable. But uh, I really don't know anybody. But not only that, we don't have models and stylists and, you know, makeup artists who who really can work to the level um, that we need. In photography? In
0: photography, yeah. Because the irony there is we're upping the skills base around TV and drama and what have you. Yes, yeah. With the BBC but not in photography, no.
1: I mean, you know, um, there's it's just straightforward commercial thing, you know. Um if for models for example, um models get better with experience. You know, so they need to be shooting a lot. And of course it just doesn't happen. It's just not the work in Cardiff or in South Wales or wherever. In Wales I I would thought. Um and in a lot of other places, you know. So they all tend to gravitate to you know in the South obviously it's London in the North Manchester. And so there are plenty of great models in Manchester, plenty of great models in in London. Um, but it, it's, um, the work follows the models then. Mm. And so the stylists go there. Um, so for example, my, uh, my own brother is, um, is a hairdresser and he, he, he does the, um, he enters the British Hairdressing Awards every, every year. And, um, you know, for that, you'll get eight models perhaps on a day shoot, uh, or two day shoot, whatever. And, um. You know, we'll have two hairdressers, uh, two sorry, two makeup artists and two stylists, and it's quite a big production. Um, and we simply can't, I can't do it for him because we can't get the models here economically. So even if we, if, even if we were to get um, some fashion models down who were sort of new faces, so the younger, sort of less tr- less experienced models from from some of the big agencies, the cost of getting them down here for two days, uh, you know putting them up and all, you know with the transport the whole thing. Is prohibitive. It's cheaper to go and hire a studio in London, and and work up there, mm. and 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 you get makeup artists who've got who are you know more experienced. They've got they got they work faster. Mm. Um, all these things make a massive difference to a shoot, you know, but rather than the whole shoot going dead because you're waiting for makeup and whatever. Um, and then stylists who've got great contacts and can can pull rabbits out of hats really in London. If, if we don't have that infrastructure here. Certain, and no retouchers and no assistance no no freelance assistant regime you know it's it's uh, all of that stuff you have to become self-sufficient really and have to have to rely on a very small um, band of contacts to get you to get you by so I've got a few models who are my go-to models you know when I need a good model who's like who's fashion model who's a fashion model I've got two or three I call on that's it mm. and you know but if it, you know because most again because Budgets just don't take it, you know. If somebody's got a couple of grand for a model break, brilliant. Make a phone call. We get them down from London for the day. It's fine. But most clients in in Wales don't have that that level of budget, you know.
0: Have you been following what uh, Amazon has been doing in New York and more recently in London, buying big studio spaces to shoot fashion, just solely fashion? No, I've heard about it. Stuff. I haven't
1: really, I haven't really followed it. No, it's something like forty thousand square feet of. Yeah, for your space. yeah, but you know, in New York, isn't it? Yeah, but now in
0: London, some old railway arches. Oh right, well, about the, uh, I mean, magic roundabout here. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can do all of this, you know. It, it, but it is, it will, it will just be in the cities because you've got, you've got the the people, you've got the photographers, people with ambition as well, you know, people who want to get on, people who want to do the stuff, and they sort of gravitate towards London, you know. Do you uh, think Wales is catering for that commercial side of photography in terms of
0: up and coming photographers? No teaching, education.
1: Oh, I n- no, I don't see it at all. I don't. I don't see. Um, I really fear for that sort of side of it. You know, I've um, there are a lot of people, uh, whether they are whether they're students who you know whether they're, whether they're um, undergraduates or whatever, uh, or whether they're just people with cameras who who do a lot of sort of um, outdoor photography, location photography, whatever it is um and there's and they, some of them are terrifically talented whether it's in portraiture or landscape or whatever um and there's a commercial side to that obviously but t- coming back to sort of what I do the more advertising based sort of commercial studio that type, type of stuff there's n- i don't know anyone who's up and coming now you know i don't know a young photographer in uh, i could be wrong here you know but i don't know any young photographer who um is is Studio based and and making making waves really.
2: So uh, would the the whole cost of setting up a studio and having the right kind of gear and all the bits that go with the studio? Do you think that really is the prohibitive
1: thing? Uh, It's got to be a big hurdle, isn't it? Yes. You know, um, again, there's a bit of um, you the costs. You know, we shoot on medium format cameras, so the costs are horrible. The camera's 20 grand, so that's, it's a lot of money to set up. But you don't need to do that. You know, there are perfectly good uh, DSLRs out there which will get you by and will be good enough for most things. But it depends on the lighting and your ability it, it to does. light. Absolutely, yeah. But the lighting is really key. You need decent lighting and you need to know how to use it. But I don't think education, you know, nobody's been taught to do that in education. I mean, nobody's, from what I can see, the practical skills aren't being taught in education but you learned it you learned it on the job you learned it as a uh,
2: you, did you learn that in art school or? no
1: I, in art school I, w- I was lucky enough to have a um, a brilliant guy brilliant lecturer who's who's um, uh, he worked in in commercial photography for about 10 years uh, got out of it for for a Different reasons, and um, gone into lecturing. But he was passionate about photography. He understood photography, um, and he was uh, a really inspirational sort of character. And he pushed you. You know, he he made you do things. You know, by 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 sort of mild bullying, and by a lot of uh, you know inspirational sort of. Um, help as well you know he was a great guy and i was really lucky and i got on with him really well he didn't get on with everyone he was a bit of a he was a bit of um a uh no prisoners sort of glaswegian and um uh and i but i got on, got on with him great and he really formed my career at a really early age and then of course he and he said you've got to go to london Use the phone phone some people <laughs> and he was and he was really good you know he hectored you into doing stuff and I think, uh, and it was a really um, interventionist sort of regime he had. You know, he didn't let, he didn't leave me sort of toddle, toddle along and do my own thing. He said, "No, you need to do this, and this is what you need to do." You know, and uh, he made me enter. It was a Polaroid was a big thing in those days, and everything was shot. We were shooting everything on on um, large format, five, four, 10, 8. And Polaroid had a competition, the first ever sort of student competition, and he made me enter it, and I won it. Which which was a big thing, and you know, um, you know, so that was a and that made you feel good about it, about yourself. You know, actually, I'm, I, I am pretty good at this. And then, um, and then, the Association of Photographers had a, a students' um, competition, and I came second in that. And they had a uh, um, uh, work experience scheme, and so uh, he, he again, he sort of pushed me in that direction. And the, that link, you know, I, wouldn't have, I, I wasn't a very resourceful kid. Um, and that, that link, that push that he gave me, really set me off on the right track. I mean, other people did the same thing and didn't take it, take it any further. But I was fairly determined. And, you know, but he really facilitated that for me. He was a good guy. And then, and then of course, I met all, you know, met lots of other photographers, and I learned to do things different, different ways. And, you know, you, you build on your experience then, don't you? Yeah. But that was, one, that was the one guy uh, who was still around. Uh, who um, who I think, um, you know, I can trace it all back to. Hmm. And how old were you then? Oh, I was, you know, I was 20. 20. Yeah, 1920. Yeah. I, and I didn't, before then, I didn't really, I didn't, before i met um, Bill, his name, I'd never really considered, I didn't even know about commercial photography, advertising photography. I remember seeing someone walking out of a dark room with a picture of a Hoover. <laughs> I thought, why would you want to take a picture of a Hoover? And he said, what's a product shot for? I thought, what's a product shot, you know? And he said, well, you know, for catalogues and God knows what. I thought, oh, okay, all right. Well, you know, you can make money doing this. Yeah, all right, okay. So that's, you know, that's how, that's how I got onto that.
0: It's, in, it's interesting you say that, because when I studied graphic design at Glasgow, it was photography was a module. Yeah. And I suspect it's probably the same across the board. And I loved it. Um, but yeah, I wonder whether there's enough of a... Is 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 the next step there, do you think, in many institutions for people who see perhaps around designers, they see photography as a an adjunct to the sketchbook. You know, It's, it's another... Rather than a sketch, you, you, you do yeah. some background studies or you do some photography and you'll then use that in a piece of design. But you may go off and have to commission a professional photographer to do it. Do you, do you think many designers now are fulfilling their own needs, if you like? At yeah, the they shooting? are, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. To, 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 Is that um, just around accessibility of the kit and the gear? Yeah,
1: I mean, it depends. I mean, you know, it, it depends what facility they need. You know, uh, I know a lot of photographers are shooting their own video. They've got little DSLRs and they shoot some stuff. And it's, you know, it's a bit ropey, it's a bit, a bit rough around the edges, but it, it's fine for what they need. Um... And they do their own photography. Uh, I, know, I know a couple of art directors who are uh, you know, creatives who are really good photographers in their own right. But, of course, they can't do this. They, can't, they haven't got a studio. They can't do, you know, there's some things where they have to use me for. But they were quite happy to go and do their own pictures. And you see, you know, you see various degrees of, of success and failure. You know, some people do it really well and some people do it horrendously badly. And the, the best bit is that they, a lot of people try to shoot their own work. So they, they, you know, put it on a desk in the studio and take pictures of it. And um, I've seen that done pretty badly. Digital analogue. Do you still dabble with the analogue? No. My life is too short. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I have absolutely no, absolutely no desire to go back to analogue at all. And, you know, I spent a lot of time shooting an analogue, believe me. No interest at all. Um um just me as a person, I suppose I'm I'm like done. move on. Um and I resent it being uh taught so extensively in um in uh on photography courses. I think uh you know, I know some photography courses that um don't teach digital at all. Well they don't, they teach very little sort of vocational anyway it's all academic um and you know the world's moved on and and I think it's great It's a craft and it's great and i'm I'm really happy for anybody who loves doing it and and the whole thing because it is a great thing it was a, it was a brilliant thing I loved the smell of the dark room and the you know the magic of you know printing on black and white and seeing the image appearing in front of you and dodging and burning and I, I loved all of that, but it's moved on and you know I just haven't got enough don't enough hours in a day to go back to that. Life's much faster for me, so... But it must have informed who you are. Of course, yeah. And the way you work. Of course, yeah. And the way you see things. Yeah, particularly with lighting, because um, film was much less forgiving than digital. I know that sounds, you know, a lot of people will tell you the opposite. Yes. But, but film, you know, there was, a, there, was a, there was a contrast ratio in film, which was set. Piece of film, you know, you can fiddle about the edges with processing or whatever, but film was, you know, you got it right, you got it wrong. If it wasn't right on the film, yeah, especially with, um, okay, you know, there was a bit of stuff you could do with black and white, but if you were shooting on Tranny, if you were shooting transparency, which we did 90% of the time, you know, transparency had a particular um, uh, set of features, and if you didn't like for that, if you, you know, if you'd burn out highlights or your shadows go black or whatever it was, you know, it had a you know it its own gamut, and you know you had to get to know the particular film you were shooting on and light accordingly, and so it made you very disciplined. You know, because you couldn't you you know in the early days when I was um, shooting um, transparency, you know we we there there wasn't an E six lab in in South Wales, so well it never never has been properly professional lab, Um so the nearest one was in Bristol. So if we shot something on a Monday. Um, a van would turn up on a Tuesday morning to pick up the film. So you might spend, you might spend the day a day on a shoot. Uh, you might have models down, and God knows what. It might be a big shoot, and productions tend to be a lot bigger back then. You know, there was more money sloshing about back in the sort of nineties, I suppose. But you'd do um, a lab would come along, pick up the the Chinese uh, on a Tuesday, take it off to Bristol, process it, bring it back to you Wednesday morning. So everything depended on this, you know, half a dozen sheets of five four film. Um, it had to be right, you know. So you shoot Polaroids. We shot a lot of Polaroid, you know, get, to get the, the composition, exposure to a degree, and whatever. But um, you know, it made you really disciplined. Everything had to be great. You know, it had to be dead, dead right on the day. And so um, you take that does inform you as a as a in a digital age because you you tend to get things, you know. What well, you've got to remember, back in those days, there was no retouching, there was no Photoshop. So if there was dust on your still life, it looked like shit. You just couldn't have it. Mm. So, you know, before you pressed the button on the final film, everything was cleaned and blown and brushed and whatever till he was pristine.
0: And I guess in those days, there were no curves necessarily either. But you know what they mean now, don't you? Yeah, you absolutely. You can interpret what that yes. means yes. in
1: post-processing. Yeah, and it does, you know... Um, you take a lot of those skills over into into digital and the, f- the one thing I the one thing I had problem a, a big problem with and I've talked to some I've talked to another photographer who's done the same sort of journey uh when I when you move from film and, into digital and because I did it as a big jump I didn't do it as a gradual transition I you know I stopped shooting film and then 10 years later started shooting digital I kept feeling I was cheating so if there was you know a bit of dust on the on on the on the set or on the still life or whatever I would, I'd want to clean it up but actually it would take me much less time to do it in Photoshop but I wanted you know and it's taken me and it's you know I've been backing it now for uh, eight or nine years and I still feel to a degree that I'm cheating if it's not <laughs> and, and also you know I feel I feel quite strongly about the retouch as well um, you know I I think the best retouching is when it doesn't look like it's been retouched mm-hmm. if somebody looks retouched as soon as you see it it's just fake and it just no authenticity and it just looks crap in my in my opinion you know I, I love great retouching where you just can't see the, you know it just looks real looks right and that, that's well I you know that's my own personal sort of mantra do you have a huge archive do you keep all your material Um. Uh, I keep I've got all my black and white stuff that I've shot since I lost a lot on a studio move you know years and years years ago but I've got pretty much everything I've shot commercially. I lost a lot of personal stuff, frustratingly, from from back in the early days. Uh, but I've got all my negatives and contact sheets. Um, uh, and I've got selected highlights <laughs> of uh, commercial stuff that I've done, you know, back in the 80s and 90s. Um, things I like. I've got my portfolio from then and all sorts of stuff like that.
2: Do you look back with... with um Rose-tinted spectacles, or do you look back on it and say, hmm, it could have been a lot better? Yeah, I
1: think I always think it could be a lot better. Never satisfied, then? No, case? no, never, not really, no. no. I look at my stuff and go, you know, I look back at... I had cause to bring out a, an old four tranny the other day to, to illustrate a point to a client. They, they, they wanted something different and whatever. And, <laughs> and I, I picked out something I'd shot years and years and years ago. I said, look, we could do something like this. And it, it was absolutely right for them. They were blown away with it because it was, you know, on the, on the tranny and they'd never seen a tranny before really. And they were <laughs> like, God, you know. And uh, it was quite interesting. But, um, uh, so, I, you know, yeah, some of the stuff is okay. You know, some of the stuff's nice. It's fine. But I'm not really impressed, overly impressed by my own stuff. I, I can always, you know, it's always frustrating. I always think it can be better. I, I could do a lot better than I do. With everything, it's very very rarely do I take a picture. And go, well, yeah, I'm really happy with that. He's not doesn't everything like that? Um, uh, uh, yes, I mean I can look at pictures,
2: um, and I think I have a. Uh, <laughs> I've developed a bit of a idiosyncrasy about the way I work because I do a lot of stuff outside. Yes, yeah, sure. instant stuff. Um, but I tend to um, not look at the work straight away. It's a right. really strange thing. I
1: have to leave it. And then it's better afterwards. And it's better afterwards. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm like that. I'm always disappointed not the day after yeah. or a bit like deflated. Yes. And then a couple of weeks later, six months later, you think, ah, oh, it wasn't so bad. Yeah. But you never really, you know.
2: No, never really. Said if that. you
1: look around, there's no pictures on the wall in the studio. Bust pickers, I don't think they're worth putting up on the wall. <laughs> and I've got a, my stylist is saying, get a grip, put some pictures on the wall. You've got some wall space, put the pictures up. I'm like mm, they're not very really good. <laughs> it's pathetic. And she's going, no, th- use this one, use that one. So I, the only way out of that is I'm going to say, right, use the pictures. Go and do it for me. Is there anything about that dissatisfaction
0: with your own work, or you know, yeah. looking back on it, um, about time? And I, I guess are you are you uh, which, which projects do you prefer? Do you do you prefer those long drawn out yeah? You know, big furniture shoots um, that go on for weeks or do you prefer a quick very intense couple of days on something?
1: Uh, I have no preference I think. No. Um, whichever pays. Yeah, I quite, I mean, I, what I really like, um, My yeah, whichever pays, yeah, there's a bit of that in it. Now, I really like, um, my favourite shoots I think is when we do um, you know, like a yeah, fashion booty beauty shoot or whatever and you do a day shoot or maybe two day shoot and you get models and makeup artists and stylists and clients and art directors and you've got a studio full of people and it's a buzz and it's great and it's chaotic and um but those are the best those are my favorite days knackering and um it's uh, it, you know to manage all the people and to think of all the technical side and to take the pictures and whatever so would you like to do a video shoot well yeah we, we 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 are going into that. Um, that's this year's sort of. We've shot video in the past, right? But we're really gearing up to shoot. Uh, in roll. what sense would you uh, video? As in um, for products, material, or, or, or all? All um, oh, right. Uh, we we've got um, two product shoots um, happening within the next four weeks. Um, one one of which is really really interesting, really exciting. Uh, and then um, but I'd like to shoot uh, other other you know, people and and things like that. and I think that's part of you were talking about personal work earlier on well that's part of something I want to do personally because I really enjoy it it's, it's, right. it's, so would you like to make a movie I don't think I think of a photographer that wouldn't like to make a movie that would be, that would be you know yeah. an amazing thing yeah. yeah yeah but you know I think I'm not stupid about it It's, it's as a, as an enormous project um then i'd love to do it but i can't see how that would ever happen really yeah 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 well, so you have an ambition then there is an ambition lurking oh, in there cause... there is oh god yeah if 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 um if there was a project that i could hook into or whatever yeah i can't see it happening by my motivation you know but by, by my own um my own doing you can make a movie for me. I'll write it because I got a couple of ideas. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I. But there would maybe small ideas. Do you know what I mean? That's fine. Because though. you know, because I think some of the best ideas are small ideas. Yes, indeed. Beautifully done. Yeah, you know, I can see, I can see that working. You know, I've, I've, I've always been on the edge of video. We've always shot a bit of video, and I've just been shooting some stuff on a DSLR with a full frame and all this sort of stuff. And it's, it's, you know, it's a lovely quality. You've got to process it well, mm. but if you process it right. It's it's lovely. And of course, a lot of the skills that I've honed over the years are completely transferable. You know, you think about photographers who, who become really successful directors, and there's a long list. There is indeed, yes. Very top guys. Yeah. And that's where it comes from. They take, they just, they're, they're transposable skills.
2: It's the lighting again. It's all it about lighting.
1: It's lighting, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lighting and composition. And then, of course, you've got to have the, you know, the intelligence and the, and the, uh, so now every, not everyone can do it. I might not be in that in that category of the of the people who can't do it. But you know, the, there's the story, the storytelling side of it, and the uh, continuity of it. You know, making making sense of something. Because yeah. you you can they, some films are beautifully shot and they're and they're beautifully lit, and but they're not very good films. No, no substance. No, no. You need you need a bit of depth and a bit of emotional. You know. So that buzz you were describing earlier that you
0: enjoy of yeah. having the yeah stylist makeup. Yeah, Systems. I love
1: working as part of a team like that. You know, right.
0: So let's look at that for a then, because that's interesting, isn't it? So you, this is you with your own studio. You can get on with a lot of your own work. Yep. On your own. Yep. When you need it, an assistant and a stylist. But that that buzz is is there an opportunity there to bring those disparate skills together that. Probably have the same morning session themselves, don't they? They yeah. probably wax lyrical. I'd love to be working with a photographer. I'd love to be working with a stylist. Well, I do. I mean, I uh, you know, I tend can you to invent that and, and, and create something. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I do. Like I had a meeting with a with a with a like a a, a stylist this week. Uh, not this week, last week. Um, who who's a, had a bit of a loose end, and so we've decided to, to get together and come up with some ideas and shoot some stuff. And again this is going back to my personal sort of stuff so there's no there's no money involved there's no you know we'll get a model in and we'll we'll do something and i i i do that i do that anyway i think the last two years i've been so busy literally flat out for two years not very few spare days that it's squeezed most of the uh, my own personal work has been sidelined it's been squeezed out of the equation by by being so busy especially we're doing these long room set shoots which could last three months you know so three months of just building and shooting room sets. And of course there's no room in the studio. You've got no mental space to do it either. You just there's just exhausting. And so once you've done the three months, suddenly you're into loads of little jobs that you've been putting off for that three months and you and you're playing catch up and catch up and catch up. And then another room set project will come in and you're off doing that again. And it's been like that for two years. That's finished, I think. So that's why the personal thing is something and i'm and I'm probably at a time where I need to do that to, to re-energize and reinvent and come up with something new you know so all the timings that work out for me really what about uh, collaboration with other photographers uh, well I'm talking to um, to one guy at the moment um, who's uh, yeah, interesting interesting photographer stroke retoucher and um, with, we're talking about some sort of collaboration I'm actually collaborating much more closely with um, an art director, creative friend. Um, we've got uh, we've got feeling that um, there is a segment of uh, of high end creative provision which isn't catered for in Cardiff or in South Wales. Um, and a lot of it is to do with moving image and uh, but high quality art direction and ideas driven work, which nobody seems to offer. Um, there are a lot of sort of totally. I mean, I'm talking about in the commercial sense. Mm. Um, there, there are lots of good production houses and people doing very nice things, but there's no one. Um, there's no one there. Providing a really high quality creative service across the board in terms of you know. Um, the moving image and and stills and top end art direction, and so that's something we're 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 looking at quite closely at the moment. We're we're doing uh, something which starts this Friday, in fact, to to kick that, that. I can't be more specific. It's a bit of a sort of nebulous sort of idea at the moment. I but. suspect we feel the same way about the stills, say, photography, which is heads
0: this this yes know, the whole yeah. project that exactly yeah. i off doing the podcasts, but um, yeah. 'Cause there is a lot of talent. Oh there's loads of talent. In Wales, it just seems yeah. very disparate it and is, unconnected. Yeah. And is. I mean how do you think that could change? Both in what you're describing and
1: viewing well, it from the start. One of the so. problems um with uh is that you know, there is there is there is work is thin on the ground, you know, generally. And so um people attempted to uh keep themselves to themselves they they gather their work into them and they they guard it jealously they don't sort of uh so that it stops them communicating with other photographers i'm talking about you know, photographers in in general here so that um you tend to only mix with photographers who can't be a threat to you in mm. a different you know which i think is, is ridiculous it doesn't happen in other cities and other places where you know there are um Little communities of like-minded people, all all working in the same field, but who are not so afraid of you know. And I think that's the pressure of the lack of work, and the preciousness of the work. I, I'm, I'm, I'm that's all I can put it down to. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got there are there are probably half a dozen people doing what I do in Cardiff, there, there, thereabouts, you know, with a the studio and doing the same sort of stuff. Um, I think I know them, like I know them all. Um, but we never get together mm. and any attempt you make to get together and, uh, phew, it just doesn't happen the only time it happens is when a, like a big player like Hasselblad or whatever Broncola will come down and do a studio day and then we'll all go along and we'll all have a great time we'll have a chat we, you know nice it is yeah it's great and we have a really nice time you know i I, I say some of them are, used to work for me or whatever we have a great time but there's no community and then but see I think it's important hopefully through you know some of these interviews for
0: other people to hear photographers saying that right. about okay. how daft yeah. it is yeah. Yeah. that it's we don't ridiculous. get together more, chat just even on a, a social or or semi-formally whether it's an exhibition or a kind of some kind of collaboration sure. of sorts. But I think you've got to hear people say that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. In, in a genuine way.
1: I I tell people anybody who listens, I say, come around. Come, you know, I'm, I met a couple of photographers, um, you know, over the, uh, over Christmas, and I'm saying come to the studio, come down, come and have a chat, come and have a coffee, just come and, you know. We are pretty like-minded individuals, you know, we do the same job, whether whichever strand of photography we're, we're involved with. Um, and, you know, some people are completely different, they have different opinions and different outlooks. We still do the same thing. And it's quite interesting to hear what other people have to say about it. I'm all for it. And I always have been, I've never been, um, you know, uh, I've never been afraid to sort of share or 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 um, in the same token you know I want to I'm really keen when an assistant works for me that they have an ambition to become a photographer so you're sort of breeding your own competition but I'm all for that I, I think that's that's healthy for the industry you know and and it'll all come around back to be healthy for me so and it and it has worked in the past. you know I never uh, people I've worked with become photographers there's um, a couple of examples you know I've Probably four or five of my assistants in the past are, you know, fully fledged working photographers doing very well for themselves now. I think that's great. And I encourage that. And you, in a way, to be a good assistant, you need to really want to be a photographer. Otherwise, you're just going to be a career assistant, which is no, no bad thing, I suppose. But, it, you know, it's not really pushing, pushing you along much.
2: Photography, education, Keith, torrid subject. Um, lots of uh, of views about how you get into photography as a youngster. Yeah. Um, or an oldster. Or an oldster, yeah, even. Sure, yes. Sure. Um, what, what advice would you give to people? As I mean, I, I know it's a very open-ended question, <laughs> but what advice, if people wanted to get into your field specifically, what advice would you give to them? Because you took the traditional route, you went to art college. That's right. And then you ended up as a as, a, um, uh, as an assistant, yep. and then started yeah, your a own business. Route, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I will. I do believe in a, a rounded education, a, a photography education. So I think um, it, it's great to uh, know some of the history of photography, where, people, where where it's come from. You know, so I've uh, I know I sort of know where I fit into that history in a way. You know, I, I, I go back to, like, Irving Penn, yeah. and when you when you draw a line, you can come through a whole host of photographers, you know, uh, up, up to Bailey and Albert Watson and Rankin, who are on that lineage, um, you know, Nick Knight and people like that, who are very uh, commercial sort of photographers in a way, although they are fantastically creative, mm. um, but whose technique is great and who, you know... and and sometimes less is more most of the time less is more and they're brilliant at pairing things down to the essential elements and and you find all of these people come from you know and it's great to have that that broad photography education so you know so you've got to you you know where this stuff is you know you know about northern light and you know about you know you know why this stuff works it's part of education yes and i think that's great And i think you know if you're talking about going on to a degree course and stuff like that well yeah i can see it and and you know from a i'm talking very much from a commercial aspect whether that's taught or not, I don't know, but I I think that would be a great grounding. Um but whatever you're gonna do in photography, it's great to know what's gone on before you and, wh- and, and and what context you're working in. Um So there is a there is a case to be made for going and doing a degree course or whatever. I feel a big but coming on there. Well, there is a but. Um there are there are a few bets. i mean first of all how do you choose a degree course when you when most people they might know they want to be a photographer they but they don't know what type of photographer they're going to be um because they don't know what options they have necessarily at 18 what well, you know what do people know about photography really i mean some people yes there are the odd uh, you know super interested person who who's got their life mapped out perhaps but that that's the the rarity. Most people know they like taking pictures, know they're quite good at it and they'd like to do that. But they're not quite sure whether they're going to be a car photographer or a, a or, 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 or a repertage photographer. They just don't really know, perhaps. So various courses specialise in various things. It's very early to take that plunge, isn't it? And then the, the biggest but I have is, is that most of these um, courses are academic courses and photography is... vocation so they teach a lot of you know academic stuff but not a lot of um, of the practical stuff so when I get students on work experience they don't know one end of the camera from another it's embarrassing that is very embarrassing how can they turn up and not no it's true I mean you know um, you know obviously I've spoken to educators about this and they say well we leave it to the students to learn that in their own time you know that's did the student know that when they started on the course I, I'm not sure did you tell them that yeah, you're on your own by the way and you know i've had i've had people fresh off a degree course with you know with a bit of paper saying they've got a two one in photography who don't know the 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 fundamentals of of making the exposure they don't they don't know what the main f f stops are they don't know they can't even tell you what the main f stops are they couldn't say that you know they couldn't recite them from two to eight four five six and so on they they just don't know them, and you know. I'm gobsmacked. Oh, no, no, it happens to me all the time. It's, 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 uh, that is the rule rather than, than the exception. So, you know, they'll think F9 is normal. You know, that's like, that's a, like an F-stop, you know, where, yes, it, it is, but it's not one of your major stops, you know. It's somewhere floating between 8 and yeah, 11, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, we know that, yeah. but they don't. Because they're, they're only, um, um, they shoot on, a lot of them shoot on automatic you know, DSLRs. So the, they do what the DSLR tells them. And if you tell them to shoot on f nine, they shoot on f nine. It didn't really get a lot of thought. Yeah,
2: we t- I touched on this with um, uh, with Tim, and I think uh, it was something I I've um, read recently that um, the one thing that digital does it it doesn't allow you to keep your mistakes, in the sense that you can erase your mistake. Right, and I think. That's a little trap that people, and especially young photographers, may fall into, that you do actually learn that you can look at the back of your camera yep. and know, oh, come on, I've made a, a yes. huge, horrendous mistake there. I've used the wrong aperture or the wrong ISO yep. Yep. or whatever. Yep. Um, so, um,
1: But that's basic stuff, isn't it,
2: really, I suppose?
1: Well, I think um, if there's an argument for teaching analogue, in in, in uh, university, then that's, that's...
2: That's the discipline of that.
1: I think yeah. so, yeah. I think that's, you know, a, a, um, a, a term or a couple of terms or, or whatever or whatever it is shooting, a, a teaching analogue, would give you great grounding in understanding um, and making making you more accurate. Right. Because with digital, it can make you really sloppy. Yes. You know, because you... Oh, it's a bit dark? I'll just boost it up in, in Lightroom, you know. It's a bit nice, you know, it's a bit this, uh, not enough contrast, but I'll give it more contrast, you know. Shadows gone dark, I'll, I'll bring up the shadows. Um that's just a bit lazy, really. And and ultimately, not quite the same as getting it right in camera. And you, you, if you talk to any photographer with this salt, they'll tell you that right. getting it right in camera is, is the key. You know, then you can do more afterwards if you want. But getting it wrong in the first place, you know, all you're doing is trying to correct the mistakes. You know, and and so I think, um, you know, for those institutions that teach analogue, then that's a, a good thing. and And just for the greater depth of understanding of the process That's fine but you've got to move on then and teach digital because you know when you ask people um a lot of people a lot of students come they shoot jpegs and they don't they they don't they know there's something called a raw file but they're not really sure what it is because no one's ever. But them. this is,
2: I mean, this is a huge indictment of the educational system in a way. What you're, say, you're saying—that that a photography student doesn't know when he comes on work experience to your studio doesn't know one end of the camera from another.
1: Well, um, I think it is. I think, it's, I think it's shocking. But when when I talk to people in education, they say that's not what we're here for. We are we are obliged to make it an academic course, and so we have to teach. Academics, you know, so they they essays are a big are the big deal, and and you know, it's not about taking pictures. A lot of it is about what you know about the academic side of it. Have you had
0: any trainees or assistants coming in, or even people on placements? That have expressed that frustration? That uh, yes,
1: a- yeah. I think I think now that fees are are ah. are are high, people say, hang on a minute, I didn't sign up for this. I don't think they understand when, you know, however well the course is, uh, you know, sold to them in the first place. I don't think they understand that they don't actually take a lot of pictures. You know, I, I was, I was, um, and so, and so they start to resent that then. They start to go, well, uh, I'd really like to know a bit more about this. And a few have said that. A few are, 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 are you know, oblivious. <laughs> and, uh, but some, some do. I mean, but, you know, um. One of the things they they don't they don't um, they don't take they don't take enough pictures, you know they just don't take enough pictures. So, I was talking to one girl, and uh, and I will like this case. It was boring, but she was talking about wanting to do some project, and she was going to do it in three months' time or whatever, you know, and and it was I remember it being in March it was my birthday, and I and we were chatting. And I said, "When was the last time you took a picture?" When was the last time we actually took a picture? Expected to be of last week, you know. And she said, oh, it was just before Christmas when I was in an aeroplane going on holiday and took a picture through the, through the window of the aircraft. <laughs> and I was just gobsmacked. Because part of wanting to be a photographer is the joy of taking pictures. Yes. So it's like a you would think. prerequisite, you know, that you'd love taking pictures, so you need to be taking pictures all the time. Yes. And I would say to you know to anybody who listen just take the pictures don't worry don't just go and do it the more you shoot the better you'll get at it like anything the more you do it the better you'll get at it and the more you'll learn and the more you'll find your own style and just take pictures where they seem to be bogged down in essays and um and research and whatever see bogged down that's fine if you want to be i one one assistant who wanted to be um uh, a curator and that's fine then she's in the right choosing the right course. But I suspect for everyone who wants to be a curator, there isn't a handful who want to be a photographer. And so really give them some skills to be a photographer. And, and the other thing is, you know, you've got people people like us who have this, you know, wealth of knowledge experience and, um, and contacts, you know, uh, and ability to give people, you know, get people work and whatever. Totally underutilised. They should be banging on our doors, twenty-four-seven to get students in here. But I don't think they like what we tell them, so they don't.
2: Um, yes, I think that's probably hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think they would like uh, what we told uh, what we tell them. I remember um, um, I had an, I've had an experience actually uh, talking to students about my work and yeah. showing my, them my work. And I had a room of, I don't know, about 40 students. And I asked them uh, uh, to put up their hand if they took a picture every day. Only three hands went up. That's right, yeah. yeah. And you kind of think, well, what's the point of you being here? I mean, And, the, yeah. and I extended it. I asked, how many of you p- take a picture every other day? Just a few hands went up. Every week, a few more hands went up. But out of 40 students, and you start to think, that's not right. That's no, well, no. Not, and, not if they're 40 students. <sighs> um, so, in a way, so I... I mean, we're touching on some dodgy territory here now, but are universities sure. bringing people in just for the money?
1: Ah, uh, right, that's... Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure I'm, I'm willing to um, put my neck on the block on that one. But, yeah, they are, yeah, of course they are. I mean, you know, I... I um, uh I've been involved in you know committees of validated courses and um
2: yeah I've been on one or two of those as yeah, well Yeah
1: and it's all about getting bums on seats and stuff I've so. actually um and can you blame them the way it's set up No <laughs> you know <clears throat> because there, there are you know there are you, you have to look at it from their, the the educator side and you have got to say well you know we need we need income and if we put another course on um, we can get more income, um, which will get more people into photography and blah blah blah. I, and yeah, you know, I can see I can see that, um, but I'm not sure. You know, I I, yeah, I don't want to go into to specifics, but no, it's not not great. I think uh, I know that some courses, some people are setting up courses that are not at their their home university, off site at different parts of the country. Where they qualify for various grants and whatever, I just think that's not great, is it? That's that's losing the uh, losing the sight of your objectives, isn't it? You know, you you are there then to to um, as just an income generation pro- project, not to teach people something that they can go on to have a career in, you know. I've, I've, and you know, I, that's, uh, I don't don't hold with that at all. And and you know, I think a good course. Where people were um taught by um passionate uh practicing photographers. People who are who who you know I stand on for by 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 my quality, don't I? And 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 you know, by if I'm doing some shit stuff then nobody nobody comes back to me. Um and I think it's great to be taught by a practicing photographer because they they know what you know how to get, get you through the maze, you know, to, and somebody who's passionate about it can really inspire kids, you know, inspire people to, to and I'm talking about, you know, generally talking about kids here, not people going into it from a different level. So I think that there is, there is a great need for university courses teaching photography. I just don't think that most of the courses I know have got it anywhere near right. Not, not to produce people who are any good to me at all. It's, they're a waste of time for me you know I, it, there was a time when I you know seven or eight years ago when I was really keen on getting people in on work experience because I think um, because I want to make contact with people I I can help them do stuff uh, you know there's it, it, it's, a, it's a win-win thing it should be you know but they were so they were so dreary the people uh, that were coming through the door they were so hopeless and they were so underskilled and not enthused and whatever I just felt it was my job was to get Get under their skin and give them a bit of um mm-hmm. bit of a lift, you know, say, Come on, you can do this. And some of them were very talented, but sort of aimless and wandering about, you know. And it, it just became, in the end, so such a desperate thing. I just stopped doing it because it was just pointless. You know. So that is the traditional way in through 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 education. But you know, if I if it was if my one of my kids wanted to be a photographer, then the first thing I do is say, Well, don't bother with by university course, you're wasting your time. Go and work for this guy. You know, make go and make contacts. Go and do whatever you can do. Pay him the nine thousand pounds for a year, and you'll pay, <laughs> that year you'll learn ten times more than you would. I wonder
0: whether it would end up costing nine thousand pounds a year.
1: Well I, I mean, have
0: you considered running any
1: like lighting? We've we've courses. talked about it. We you know, um I think back great. about back about four or five years ago I used to have quiet summers. I used to do um you know, work would, would dry up in sort of um July, early July till till sort of mid September. And so we did have a notion of sort of um you know, running some courses, whether it was on uh you know, processing raw files, that sort of technical sort of um post production sort of side, or whether it was on simple lighting and stuff like that. Um I think uh it takes a lot of organizing and it takes a lot of work to get these things up and a lot of money really, if you want to get get it set up properly where people have got their own um oh i don't know we we thought about setting it up with you know workstations and whatever getting people in for for a weekend or a long weekend or a week or whatever um and I don't think ultimately it was economically a goer, and that's most of my stuff is driven by <laughs> making money. You know, then it didn't really make us a lot enough money. But um, but yeah, I think um, I think there's a gap there, where where photographers who know their stuff and there's plenty of them around, could take kids under their wing and and they would learn so much. And that is the that 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 was the system. You know, you you went to university, then you went working as, as an assistant, which was like an apprenticeship. And then you became photographer by hook or by crook. Um, I think you could skip the university thing. You can, you know, as long as you've got a photographer who would encourage you to find out about various bits of the academics part, the, the, the history of photography, and uh, and the broader broader field that you're working in. You know, you you end up becoming a photographer much quicker and uh, with a lot more skill.
2: Yeah, I mean a lot of stuff I do now. I find um, I've taken I take inspiration from other photographers. Of course, yeah, yeah, all the time, all the time, yeah. And (coughs) it's the telling story aspect I enjoy of photography and being able to find those in quite um, quick situations uh, because um, even though I'm sort of past my middle age, really. That worked, dinosaur space, dinosaur dinosaur, oh, yeah. right, yeah. but I'm still quick thinking in the sense that I can see and I can see yes. the pictures I want to take, and I know that that particular shot will tell exactly the story I want to tell. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's an instinctive sort of thing as well. You don't actually learn that sort of thing, do you? Did then? you have that from day one? <coughs> um, to an extent, yes. Yeah, but it's kind of developed now. It's Could it's it become more better, refined. It? Yes, it's becomes, more refined. Becomes refined, yeah. And learning from other photographers and learning, you know, it's kind of learning to stand still sometimes.
1: Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And because, yeah, again, so fast.
2: yeah, and everything is moving so fast and people are, I've noticed um, I was uh, doing the um, uh, Je suis Charlie thing down on the bay and I was there and I just stood still because the pictures were coming to me. Right. Almost. I went not go hunting, really. Yeah. But there were there were other photographers zooming around all over the place. I yeah, yeah. think stand still for a little bit you know, yeah have a look, yeah see what
1: happens but of course you know if you had had somebody shadowing you for for a month or six weeks yeah. or whatever they would see this mm. they could learn from this and it's a real um shortcut to 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 see to to gain a lot of knowledge yeah just watching how you work yeah and learning how to speak to people as well. there yeah there's loads in that yeah because Absolutely.
2: I'm sure you're, you know, when you're dealing with clients, there's a there's specific way you deal with clients or with an art director. You have that knowledge, you have that
1: rapport with people. <coughs> yeah, there's, there's another problem as well. Um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, having a rapport and, 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 and getting on with people is, is key to the job. Yes. Sometimes you're spending a couple of days in the studio, you know, with a bit of music on the background, but you're just talking to that person for three or four days and you have to get on with them. Um, and the other you know, the problem I've always faced anyway, I don't know, we're talking about being dinosaurs, is that um, the one thing you've got to avoid, you know, you, so you're know, you you're dealing with an art director who's 20 years younger than you, with, you know, less experience perhaps, and you cannot be patronising no. or condescending or you have to really steer away from it. When they come up with something, you have to have heard it for the first time. And it has to be, you know... That's a brilliant idea, even though you know it's not going to work, because you've done it a thousand times before. (laughs) You can't say, don't be a prick, that's not going to work. You know, you can't do it. You've just got to, and I found myself being led on wild goose chases, not to upset the ego of the entrepreneur I'm working with. So they they say, can we try this, can we try that? Yes, of course we can try it. But you know you've done it a thousand times before. But you've never done it with that person, so you, you never know. Something might happen, so you go along, but really you know that that's not gonna work
2: yeah but when you uh, <coughs> when you're dealing with uh, with models etc or the, the private work you want to do yourself yes. you're you talking about wanting to do more uh, portraiture
1: and yeah stuff. sure yeah. but that sort of um, that link oh, with that person that's is essential it's so important It is absolutely until you bond with that person you're not going to get your best picture spot-on you know you, you and when it happens it's a magical moment when they are when you're in the same zone yes oh just the pictures just flow but and that, whether, that's whether whether you're working with anybody, anybody off the street, hmm. or whether you're working with a professional actor, model, whatever, hmm. you still have to get in that zone. You have to get under their skin. They have to trust you, and they have to have a rapport with you. And and you know you don't always get it. No. I've worked with some people who will not let you in. No. <laughs> Usually, MDs of big companies or you know chief execs who were far too important to be here, and they've only got four minutes. And, and that's very difficult, you know, and the skill is getting a picture out of that. You know, you do your best. Um, and usually I do it by being really cheeky to them, really. I'm pushing, pushing them out of their comfort zone. Because they're used to everybody really, um, you know, doffing the all this sort of stuff. And if you're really rude to them, not rude to them, but, you know, cheekily rude, they are really, uh, ooh, they're not quite sure how to deal with that. And they start to have to take, and, and, and if you really um, put them down in front of their... Um, in front of their sort of minions, you know, you, you, you're you not taking it, you know. But they're really not, that's great, it's a great technique, because they suddenly rattled, and they have to engage with you, because you, you've taken the piss, and so it's quite, and it's, you learn lots of tricks like that, and I've got great pictures out of that, by, by really sort of, you know, getting under their skin, and then they, they give you something that you wouldn't have got otherwise.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a lovely story about Bailey, he was photographing somebody quite important, as uh, some sort of... Um, a minister or something, and um, he wasn't getting what he wanted, so he slapped him across th- <laughs> and took the photograph. Which, uh, but he got the photograph that he wanted.
1: Yeah, I, I, I tried to do a verbal
2: slap. <laughs> well, thank you very much for the verbal slap. <laughs>
1: excellent but, stuff.
2: But it does work, it does work. Yeah, you know. Have you ever kept a journal?
1: Have I have kept journal. Um, no. I'm just not disciplined enough. I'm not...
2: Uh... Would you advocate for young photographers to keep journals or sketchbooks or...? Oh,
1: t- definitely. I mean, I've, I'd advocate. <laughs> 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 I think it's really useful. I mean, I keep... You know, my, my, my pictures are, are, are a journal of sorts, but I don't uh, go out of my way to do that or to... I'm not someone who records every bit of my life or in pictures or anything
2: like that you know are all your uh,
1: your lighting plans in your head I don't have a lighting plan you don't you don't have one you don't have I don't the one doesn't exist right okay I I I don't have um you know there there's uh I'm shooting some jewelry at the moment in the studio and that is it's for a specific client it's a repeat job I do it also and that has a particular setup that I know and I can recreate but Um, But it's not a, you know, it's not a plan as such. If I'm photographing a a, a person, if I'm doing a portrait, I don't know, I'm going to do it until I do it. i just go, hmm, so I've got a person, I think we'll do do this. But I don't have like a, you know, the the sort of interview lighting with a key light and a thing. I just never think like that. Never, ever think like that at all. So it's on the hoof. It's on the hoof, yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, and I quite enjoy that. You know, sometimes, and sometimes I'll set something up, or, you know, we'll have a model in the studio, whatever it is, and I'll spend an hour setting something up, and, you know, and I'll shoot a few frames and go, oh, I just don't like it, and I'll start again. I'll take it all down again and we'll just change it all and do something different. And, you know, just, um, it cost you an hour, but, uh, yeah, you know, I don't, but I don't have lighting plans. And that's the problem with teaching somebody lighting. <coughs> you 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 know, if you look on YouTube, somebody will, you know, five different lighting plans to get you out of every situation, it's just rubbish, you know. I mean, you know, it's like I, I really like backlighting, three quarter backlighting, and stuff like that. And most of my products are start off being backlit. And you know, one of the things I tell students who are with me or assistants, look, don't light something from the front. Don't be so stupid. You <laughs> know, and they go, why? Because you want to put light on it. You say, well, yes, but you know, and you explain why you're lighting it from the back and and how you fill it and how you make, model, you know, you model the subject and whatever. Um but that's just a rule of thumb and sometimes I'll think i break that rule just to do something different and I'll put two big flash heads at the front just to change it, you know. So it looks... So I think I think lighting is all about feel and about, uh, you know, what you feel like doing on the day in a way.
0: But you don't... You keep a blog but you you don't tend to go into <laughs> your thoughts and your processes, do you? And no, it, I, I
1: keep a blog as a purely sort of... Ah, I keep it for all the wrong reasons.
0: It's not personal then it's commercial no, it's not as commercial because you have a tab on your website saying
1: blog. yeah and and you know for all of, i mean you know, because i love the spanish stuff you did be a little fuji you know, well if the, the spanish stuff these the, much more my personal stuff and you know that's had a great response and i've i've i've, I've got work out of have people saying i just want it like that well want something fine. like that you know and that sort of that sort of i mean they're very heavily processed to 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 get a certain look and so mm. people have oh, gone i love that and i've yeah, you know, that's that's been really, really successful uh but um that happened that that whole little shoot uh we were in barcelona and we did that stuff and uh it happened on the cusp of a really busy couple of years period i sort of squeezed the life up me really i was sort of i wanted to do more of that stuff and um then you just get so busy that you just don't have the time more than the inclination and so you know I need to get over that and beyond it, really, which which is hopefully where I am now.
0: So you mentioned earlier that you would like this year to, to do more personal. Yeah, definitely. Take we've, a got, bit
1: of we've got time. I've got um, stuff booked in to do. You know, I've actually allocated time where I'm not going to try and earn money, and I'm going to try and do the personal stuff. And uh, <clears throat> um, you know, I've got a collaborative project. I'm, we started on Friday. I've got um, uh, another another collaboration. One with a designer, one with a um, with a stylist. Um, and I'm going to do some stuff for myself as well. And I think that's, it is important, having not, having not done it to any degree for the last two years. Although I've kept shooting stuff for myself, I haven't really shot anything with any depth to it. So it is important I get back to that and start shooting some stuff. Because you, that stuff feeds your commercial work. You know, you you, you discover things and learn. Experimentation. Things. Of course it's experimentation, yeah. It
0: would be interesting. To see you being more reflective, then. yeah. In, in terms of describe words accompanying yes, yeah. the images, yeah. More because um,
1: I'm not sure if You're I'm an interesting bloke. In the images too you take not, <laughs> not at all. I think you're very deep. Okay. Um, but it would be interesting well, to see a very commercial photography is quite shallow, isn't it? <laughs> it is quite shallow. You know, we're working for money. Somebody comes along, asks us to take a picture of that. You know. And Uh, for that reason, I think your
0: blog could be very interesting to see you take a pause. It probably could. And describe what it is you're doing. It probably
1: could be. Yeah, maybe it's something I should think about.
0: What would be the key attributes that you would like to see coming in from someone fresh out of the education system or wanting to be an assistant?
1: I think the first thing is they, they, um, it really helps if they know what they want to do. So that gives them a focus. So they can put a they can put a, a dot in the future and say I'm, I'm aiming for that goal there i want to be a photographer i don't care what it is what type of photographer they want to be as long as they know where they want to go and then i can understand them and help them mm-hmm. and, and and get them along that path i mean and, and okay they might not know exactly what they want to be but they they need to have some sort of idea of where they want to go um they need to have skills and i'm not talking about i don't th- i think it's very difficult to teach people um, a lot of the more, you know, nuanced sort of skills, especially in lighting and stuff like that. You know, you can teach them the basics, you know, some fairly some straightforward stuff, but they need to have camera skills and software skills and uh, a fairly basic skill set, really. Nothing too special, nothing too amazing, just as, so they can open files in Photoshop and they can retouch them, they know what all the tools do and you can teach them the rest. And then they know what a raw file is and why we're shooting a raw file. And they know that you need to, to um calibrate your monitor. And why you need to calibrate your monitor, you know? If you want your picture brighter, you just turn up the brightness con- control on your monitor, you know. Why that doesn't work, you know. They need some very basic knowledge like that. And I, I feel that's what they don't have. And then they need um, you know, this 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 more um sort of helicopter view of photography in a broader sense about, you know, photography and photographers and the history of it and where it is now and where it's going. Yeah, definitely. We all need that. They need to have people that inspire them. So they need, you know, they need a good broad base. A real keen interest in photography. You know, I'm interested in photography whether it's um, art photography or whether it's commercial photography or anything in between. You know, if, if, if if people are taking pictures, I'm interested in them. And, and some of it, I think, is rubbish. You know, some I don't don't like, but that's okay. If somebody else might like it. That's not you know, it's just my judgment. But I'm still interested in it. And um, everything should be you know on table. If you if you're a photographer, you should be able to go anywhere you want, within within or without of the genres. And um, and you need that curiosity as well. People need it coming out of university. They need that curiosity to to. To explore, you know, and find themselves and find ways forward. I don't, and I don't think many of them have that at all. And that's partly because they're not inspired to do it. They've just come out of writing 32 essays, or it is, and they're a little bit sort of um, blunted, which is a bit of a shame. I'm sure they went in wanting to be a photographer, and they've come out not so sure. That can't be a good way to go, can it?